0: Welcome, True Believer readers, to another episode of Let's Read Spider-Man. And here's a guy that has only two arms. My normal friend Eddie. How you doing today, Eddie?
1: Yes, I am completely normal, and I'm I'm feeling very, very good today. I actually had a very good day today. So uh, thank you for asking, James. B. What about you? I have so much going on that I'm doing all
0: my jobs poorly. <laughs>
1: Well, it can't be the case for Let's Read Spider-Man. You're always you're always excellent in Let's Read Spider-Man, right?
0: Oh, I forgot. This is one of my jobs, too. Yes. <laughs> Actually, Eddie, for this job, I wasn't as prepared as I wanted to be tonight, either. But we have proven that we can do a live show basically as good as our regular show. I mean, we missed that. Yeah. I think we missed that Sam Bullitt was a DA as we did our read-through live. True. But other than that, we, we did pretty good. But this issue here, Issue 100, I don't think I had to prepare that much for Issue 100. Why don't you start telling us about what happens in it, and we can discuss why we didn't have to prepare so much.
1: All right, I agree. Amazing Spider-Man 100, the spider or the man? We open with Spidey webbing up some average criminals. He declares he's bored and maybe grown up because he's ready to marry Gwen. He swings home and reveals he's brewed a serum to get rid of his spider powers. He takes the untested potion. Falls into a restless slumber, while in a dreamlike coma, he has visions of all the tragedies he's endured. He then begins f- fighting villains one by one: the vulture, the lizard, the green goblin, Doc Ock, and the kingpin. All
0: appear and are defeated. Eddie, this felt like a filler issue, a recap issue. I was very disappointed halfway through this issue, and and I actually was typing this like I only read half the issue, and I put these notes down like this isn't very good. I don't know how you felt. I- I gotta say I I completely agree it's we've gotten
1: several recaps not too long ago when um, you know Spider-Man was fighting the beetle it's not particularly interesting to see him not even fight in real life it's just in his it's in his dream so let's move on while Spidey battles he hears a voice of a friend that continuously calls him and feels pain in his sides upon defeating the kingpin. The head of Captain Stacy appears in the sky and tells Peter that he has lived a good and decent life, using his powers for good. He awakes in a sweat, realizing his visions were from the untested potion. He peels his shirt off and is
0: shocked to see four additional arms pop out of his sides. You know, this would have been interesting if I hadn't been told, hey, in issue 100, he's going to get some extra arms. I could, I've i been waiting for this, but... There was nothing else besides this, like one reveal. Yeah, for me,
1: the best thing about issue 100, I, I did like the cover. I thought it was cool to kind of see through Spider's Spider-Man's past. Um, but that's that's about it for me.
0: Now, if you're not interested in um, in what happens in the "What If" issue, which I think you should stick around for, but if not, there'll be in the uh, in the description. It will show you how you can just skip ahead a little bit to issue 101. But Eddie, our whole podcast is always under 30 minutes, so I'm not really sure how far people can skip. But we're going to talk right now about What If Volume 1. It's from uh, February 1980. It's issue 19. It's actually titled, What If Spider-Man Stopped the Burglar Who Killed His Uncle? So this is the same story, but in this reality, Spider-Man stops the burglar basically for his own publicity. Uh, Peter hooks up with uh, J.B. Priest, to make a movie, he then heads off to, to. He then heads off to the Tonight Show, where he hosts the show, and like promotes some products. The episode of the Tonight Show is interrupted, Eddie, by a news report to let us know John Jameson perishes in an accident. Now, in this reality, it's because Spider-Man um, isn't around to save him.
1: James B, we did another "What If" recently. Uh, how does this one compare to the last one? Well, I don't
0: know if you could tell by my voice, but I. I I like this one a lot more. Um, Yeah. I I do like how the story doesn't ignore like little details still like the John Jameson's like, you know, rocket accident. But it still pushes essentially a very new narrative. I was eight pages into this 45 page book and I was excited about like what's going to happen next because I had no idea where this is going. Where in the previous what if we did. I knew they're just going to retell the Spider-Man story with different people getting bitten. And it was like a little short, little, you know, 10-page snippet. So mm-hmm. uh, this is a full book, not just a story broken into thirds. What did you think about it?
1: I thought very similar things to you, too. Um, I like the thought experiments of What If? And the little pieces that we get from what we read about Spider-Man, but, you know, modified. This part where Flash and Spidey or Peter have a little interaction and Peter says, you'll kindly take your paw off me. I don't care for nobody's touching me. You know, it, it shows his uh, arrogance in this one. And it also shows like Peter being kind of a social pariah once again by being pretentious. So it's good stuff. Moving on, James B. Peter reveals his identity to his aunt and uncle. They try to talk Peter out of becoming a celebrity, but Spider-Man became a successful movie star. J. Jonah Jameson has Ned Leeds figure out Spider-Man's identity and publishes it in the Daily Bugle. Spider-Man threatens Jameson's life, then passes it off as a joke to get the point across not to cross him again. In the weeks that follow, Hollywood agent Spider-Man signs up the Fantastic Four, The Avengers, and the X-Men, following that up with buying Marvel Comics.
0: (laughs) Eddie, what... What do you think of an agent organizing superheroes to make the money?
1: It's really funny. It's kind of like, it's like Spider-Man's living out his alternate dream of making tons of money. It's such a trope that goes all through Spider-Man forever. You know, I don't have enough money. What am I going to do? And now he's like big time and he's using his celebrity and his superpowers to, Gather yeah, more celebrity superheroes. So, really funny. I, I love this sequence of events.
0: I actually was thinking, why isn't there an agent who's organizing superheroes in the regular Earth 616, you know, world mm-hmm. that the Spider Man we know lives in? Why isn't there somebody? Yes, we see occasionally someone's like, hey, Spider Man, you should make an appearance and get some money. here." But there should be somebody who's like, I'm going to market. Fantastic Four posters and dolls and make these guys money. And I want to get Spider-Man in on this too. Like it's amazing that this isn't happening at all. And I think that 1980, when someone writes this, they're like, yeah, we should have probably had this going on all the time. So I I, I looked at it that way. Well, why don't you tell us what happens next? While feuding still with J. Jonah Jameson, Spider-Man had the Daily Globe. That's the uh, Barney Bumpkin if you remember, uh, write an article <laughs> yes. revealing Foswell's connection to the Daily Bugle. The article costs Jameson his job, but when Jay Jonah meets with Foswell, he's given the opportunity to use Foswell's organization to ruin Spider-Man at the expense of running his rackets for him. Uh, he thinks about it, but he declines. Daredevil, who starts getting involved in the story, uh, saves Spider-Man from a sabotaged electric monster on the set of a movie, and Daredevil explains that Spider Man has like a, a legit hit out on him and he offers to stay and watch Parker's workout, thinking that he might be in danger. Soon after this workout that he's involved in, he kind of like the way that we've been talking about the crime bosses fighting people with mm-hmm. judo and karate. Right. Um, Craven is hidden in there and he tries to kill Spider Man with his poison claws.
1: Yes claws him right in the back <laughs> uh these are another couple of great sequences i do like how daredevil shows up and i like how <laughs> spider-man you know tells daredevil we're gonna make him a lot of money or in peter parker productions and he puts him in this great cape and he's like and this Triton of all the clumsy, useless and practical gimmick i enjoyed it at least uh, daredevil laying into his goofy costume
0: <laughs> hey this story ends with um Parker meeting the writers of his next movie. And then he discovers that all the writers are wearing like masks and they're super villains in disguise. This part's a little bit hard to, hard to believe compared to some of the other parts. But um, they decide to you know, they're attacking him and Daredevil's there defending uh, Peter. But in order to save Daredevil's life, Parker actually joins the fray as Spider-Man finally fighting because he hasn't been fighting this whole time. He's just, you know, Hollywood agent or whatever. Right. And uh, the two of them defeat the villains. Um, he checks on the barely breathing daredevil and uh, he finds the mastermind behind the attack is none other than J. Jonah Jameson, yes. who blames Spider-Man for everything in his life gone wrong. And at that point, Spider-Man realized that he, in fact, had destroyed Jameson's life by not acting responsibly with the gifts that he had been given.
1: Oh, it's a beautiful ending with all sorts of great ironies. I, just a really well-written book, in my opinion. Yeah, really, really fun and uh, to think about all these things coming together in
0: ways that are similar but not at all. So, yeah, I I, I completely agree. Um, and speaking <laughs> of things I agree with, well, I agree that we have a great sponsor. Oh yeah! And, uh, unless you want to talk about. Something else about the what if I, right now. My
1: only other one is, uh, listeners, I would say if you have an opportunity, just like the last what if we read the some of the costumes in this, the Peter Parker goons that he sends to go rough up J Jameson are absolutely hilarious. You know, other than the one I mentioned about Daredevil, <laughs> and just kind of the the uh, illustrations in this book are there's something very comical
0: about them at, almost at all times. <laughs> so. They look like regular people wearing COVID nineteen Spider Man masks. <laughs> yes, that is about right. Jameson. They have the webbing yeah. on their faces, and they have guns. Yeah, and he sends them. He, they're like, you know, Jameson's like, there, there must be some mistake, and they're like, no mistake, Jameson, you're the one we want. And he's like, no, please, if you want a free subscription to the Bugle, two subscriptions <laughs> to the Globe, maybe. So, and then uh, yeah, he's he's sweating it out when he comes Spider Man, yeah. but um, oh my. Eddie, I have, a, I have a great new sponsor for you. Okay, I'm ready. Eddie, do you ever wish you could play like a violin or a viola or a cello? Uh, I, already, I already can, James B. But go on. Yes, but now, Eddie, with the new Spider or the Man potion, you can play all three at once. <laughs> That's right, we got a hold of a special formula that will help you grow four extra arms. Texting and eating while driving, Ooh, that used to be illegal, but now you can do it with three hands still on the wheel. <laughs> Writing a great American novel, cooking pancakes on pancake day and picking your nose, Eddie, you can do it with two hands to spare. <laughs> Finally, Eddie, you can hold your dog and both kids, taking them to work and still have hands free to do your job. Your kids and your dog can be with you all the time, Eddie. It won't be a problem. This Spider or the Man potion is great, Eddie. Listen, uh, you can check it out online, uh, or you can see their ad in Miniature Donkey Talk magazine. You can use code Case and save 5%, and Eddie, children and superheroes get the first dose for free. So, Eddie, are you ready to be more productive?
1: I, I love the sponsor's appeal to buy... Uh, you know my day job of teaching orchestra. Jolynn, look at my lower right arms. The uh, bowing pattern is what I want you to follow. <laughs> but um, you know, Peter struggles to move his own arms, and I, I think about Doc Ock a lot. I don't think my brain's big enough for any additional limbs. I'm, I'm not ready for this, James B. It would blow my mind.
0: You could have your own like little orchestra you could have a violin a viola and a cello eddie seriously there's you don't no think you... way
1: there's no way i could play multiple parts with my i could barely do one part oftentimes sorry uh, there's just no i appreciate the effort of this sponsor and the idea but um from a practical right. point of view other than genetically altering my body <laughs> i'm gonna pass
0: well i hope your pancake day was well with you just <laughs> using one hand to flip and one hand to hold the plate, but nothing else I can do. Speaking of people with six arms who like having six arms, Uh. well, actually, I'm not really sure Peter likes his six arms. Why don't we talk about what happens in issue... Uh, 101, Eddie. All right, yes, this boring biped.
1: I'll help you out here. Amazing Spider-Man 101, a monster called Morbius. Spider-Man needs a hideout until he solves his excess member problem. That's a quote from him in this book, too, James B, that I enjoyed. He tells Gwen and Joe Robbie he'll be out of town for a while and calls his buddy Dr. Connors. The good doctor sends him to his mansion on Long Island. Once at the mansion, Spidey uses the basement lab to attempt to create an antidote for his arms. On a boat a mile off Long Island, we are introduced to a new deathly villain, Morbius. Morbius uses his vampire-like powers to suck the blood from all the crew members and swims to shore. Uh, James, do you want to give us a rundown about uh, Morbius? Maybe his powers? What he's kind of looks
0: like or something? Um... You know, so I know who Morbius is, and I've, I'm have i aware he's a vampire, and I've seen him on the cover of different books, but this was the first time I really remember reading much about him, and I, it was kind of vague, Eddie, being honest with you, in 101, I wasn't really sure what this guy could do. I wasn't sure if he was going to drain the blood from these people, or if he was strong, or if he had a problem with the daylight if he i didn't have any idea did was it clear to you what this guy could do
1: it, it was pretty interesting we there's only a few panels that really reveal kind of things about morpheus when the crew is going to catch him in the hold they yell he moves like a blasted streak of lightning and uh you know morbius mocks them for being so you know simple compared to his I guess
0: ultimate powers. I believe Eddie. He actually says something like, "If they only knew right now how how slow I'm moving."
1: Yeah. So he, yeah, he, he says that, and then he also says, you know, uh, how leaden my limbs. Uh, but when it gets dark, so it's clear that like pow- his powers do not work well during the daylight. Leads us to think of him as a vampire, and I'll mention his face is very like skeletal, and it scares me.
0: <laughs> He's sometimes very. Very white. He definitely wants to be somewhere in the dark because when he washes up near Dr. Connors' mansion, which is conveniently the place that Peter's going to, um, he decides to roost for the day in the widow's peak on the top of the house. He's got that whole, like, I'm going to hang upside down like a vampire bat type thing. The next night, Morbius wakes up to find Spider-Man and Morbius attacks him. He clocks Barty hard enough to knock him out and just as he's going to feed, Dr. Connor shows up. Morbius attempts to attack Dr. Connors, but Connors evades him, but the stress turns him into the Lizard. And At the end, Spider-Man awakens to see the two preparing to fight. Eddie, the Lizard's lines are like, you're not going to touch Spider-Man. Like, you know, he's mine to destroy. Yeah, that's right. I like
1: Spider-Man. Oh, no. (laughs) Poor Spider-Man at the end of this comic. He's like. I, he's so confused. He he has to be just so confused. He's got extra arms. He's been up all night for two days. He gets attacked by this weird, freaky vampire dude. And then he gets knocked out, only to wake up to see the lizard. It's really rough for
0: Spidey. Somewhere in the middle of the book, there's a full-page panel of Morbius punching um, six-armed Spider-Man. And he says like his name. He's like, Morbius! It's a full panel. This looks so yeah. different than the drug issues or bullet it's like we have a completely different mm-hmm. art team but it feels like a, a a new story and I enjoy I enjoy that I guess I should say both
1: 101 and 100 are really like introspective like that I know it has occurred before when spider-man's been moving around he talks to himself he thinks you know thought bubbles and things like that but this is a lot of talking to yourself sure
0: the fact that 100 is him by himself the entire issue <laughs> right there's no there's no choice. Yeah,
1: we 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 talked about the uh, comic code authority and we talked about how they distinctly did not want vampires in comics. And we got a vampire in this comic. What do you think? Uh, what do you think happened
0: here? <laughs> I think after the drug issues went well, Stan decided on running vampires and the comics code authority said we're like the board of yeah, well, if they want a job, right? <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. They're losing authority constantly here because Stan's just constantly pushing the limits, so... If
0: they don't approve the vampires, then he'll just keep putting more... He'll put worse stuff in. Right. Right? You can just be like, I can do whatever I want. I can put decapitations in if I want. And you can't stop me at that point because no one cares what your stupid comics code authority thinks. So.
1: I I think, too, This speaking of vampires, this issue is downright scary to me. Like, I don't know how many people Morbius kills, but... It's an entire crew
0: on a boat. Uh, it's 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 a different feel for sure. I, I think um, I disagree a little bit. I think it was very I think it was purposely written kind of vague. And oh. I think because it didn't really affect me the same way. Like he's punching people and again, no page numbers, I apologize. And they're like stop him he's getting away. They're talking about how fast he moves, you know. It's implied that he kills them, but there's no it doesn't show him True. Biting any of them. It doesn't show him attacking any of them besides a few punches. You know, the close, Uh-oh. the scariest one might be he grabs one guy by the top of the head with his hand. He always sees his hand, but that's why the Comics <laughs> Code Authority can here, still approve it. He's not really doing I,
1: anything. Oh, interesting. I, and here, I guess, reveals big problems with my childhood. The mystery is always the scariest part for me. <laughs> if he just killed him like overtly, I'd be like, oh man, but it's that mystery that really drives me he also reminds
0: me i'm not trying to be funny here i know we are funny sometimes he reminds me more like of like the grinch though as far as scariness Mm. he's got that like interesting he's got like a cartoony like creepy smile to him more than a scary one to me i guess you and i see this morbius a little differently i kind of see him as a you know i don't see him as a scary vampire as the way you do but that's that's good that's what makes it different you know you scares me yeah you get scared you don't want to deal with having extra arms and be more productive you know everyone's got their own you know different strokes different folks you know
1: all right james b you gotta cut me a little slack here i gotta give you a quick rundown of all the dated references in this book are you ready i'm gonna be fast sure go ahead starting from the first one that i could find there are references to kafka Ed sullivan the vice squad sergeant o'malley david fry spiro agnew Creature Features, Frankenstein, John Carradine, House of Dracula, Tony Perkins, and Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, there's <laughs> like four pages of Spider-Man rambling off these different <laughs> things, dated references that are from this era. <laughs> I I enjoyed it, but I thought it was a little excessive.
0: No? You did a great job. I'm, we don't even have to hire an intern for our show because you're out there <laughs> capturing all the all those things so <laughs> well I, I don't know how much it added to the book other than
1: I I liked thinking about all these things that spider-man is making pop references to
0: <laughs> let's just do a wrap-up of 101 and a wrap-up of the what okay. if and then we can wrap up this whole podcast what do you say sounds great okay um, here's what I here's what I read uh, spider-man wants to get rid of his powers because he wants to be like a regular person with Gwen you agree Ugh, yes but I'm annoyed but by but that's this. the reason that's what we're supposed to get out of this right yes meanwhile right. uh Stanley has created a vampire because he finally can yes <laughs> okay and he decides to give spider-man extra arms for what reason can you help me on that one
1: uh, I think it includes, I think it's part of this like kind of pushing the limits freaky you know. I
0: agree Aspect of Spider. I think he wanted to make him a monster at one point, and he's like, "I'm gonna uh-huh. now. I can do it. We'll do it at the same time. I get the vampire. They're going to reject them both, or either. Yeah. One. Okay. He's had this idea for a long time, probably. And boom. Yep. Um, I don't think anything else happens. Yes, I know that Doc Connor shows up from Florida and turns into the lizard, but that's nothing. That's not really moving right. the story. I think that this is basically Stan pushing the limit, and at the same time, the storyline is hey, he wants to not have his powers. So that's all that really happened in these two issues. I know that 102 is a double-size issue, Eddie. It's huge. 25 cents on the cover. It's a double. (laughs) Oh, boy. Yeah. Um, How about the... uh, What do you think we're supposed to get out of reading that what if? Anything? Do you think we're supposed to learn something?
1: As stated before, I love these thought experiments. I think it's just... I think we should take um, how much we appreciate the Spider-Man books that we've already read because it, it, they are a great story and it's very clear that they could have gone dramatically different than what they went. But I really loved them. You know, I particularly those early books I thought were just really fantastic. So I'm super happy that Stan didn't decide to make Spider-Man a, you know, a TV personality for a while or not
0: as much of a superhero. (laughs) Um, i don't know why spider-man would choose that direction though like i said anybody could sort of be an agent to the heroes like if if you're a professional athlete like a uh, like a football player or a soccer player like you know the agents don't have to also be football players that are representing you they can just be regular people
1: i i think we've seen that he's nearly a villain you know very little stopped him from being a villain and i I think he's highly motivated by money. We've definitely seen that so often, and in this book, he's filthy rich. He's got this great bed with a giant spider over top of it in his mansion in Los
0: Angeles. So he's also big into um, fame. It, it shows him with the women, you know, coming up yeah. there and stuff.
1: So he's, he's <laughs> some more great outfits to look at. Everyone too in that that those panels.
0: Yeah. I didn't I didn't care that much for the jarring. I know it's it's a little it's a little comical at some point yes absolutely the, it could be the it could be the artist or it could be intentional but it's a little too you know i know we're talking about comic books here but um i, I just don't know I, I really enjoyed the what if but i just don't know exactly what the purpose was the same way that i actually understood maybe what was happening in one hundred one hundred one. i wasn't sure why we hmm. like you said he's interested in money okay but uh wasn't as clear to me why why he was so so mean about it and stuff like that as well Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I, I I still I still enjoyed it a lot. So, uh, do you want to get back together and do one o two uh you know next time? I'm ready. Next time one oh two. Okay. Eddie, why don't you tell people how they can find us?
1: Uh you can email us at let's read at gmail.com. Or you can find us at Twitter at let's read spidey, or you can message us on Twitter.
0: And remember, listeners, if uh you want to just try your hand at scraping together some kind of vampire monster, um, they'll probably make a movie about him one day. Goodbye. Goodbye. you see how Doc Connors found out like that it was Spider-Man that called him and said hey I need your help building like so he calls Doc Connors and he's like hey I need a place right. to build to, to work on a serum and, and Doc Connors is like how do I know you're Doc how do I know your Spider-Man remember what he says
1: oh yeah he know, he's like I know you're the loser <laughs> he's like <laughs> <laughs> Poor Doc and he's like the it. key's under the mat <laughs> <laughs> he just hits him with like a ton of bricks
0: <laughs> I'll be there I'm on the, I'm on the next flight no, he didn't tell us that part, of course. But
1: <laughs> no, but yeah, he does have yellow yeah. eyes. Which remember, you know, that one time we saw the lizard with the one green and the one yellow eye.
0: I like. that. I think I cut that out of the podcast because you were wrong. And I was like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> what you're talking about?
1: I think it makes sense. One green, one yellow. No, eye. No,
0: it didn't. He ha- doesn't have one green, one yellow eye. It was just your. It was just your view. The two sides. It doesn't make the sides. It's it, it wasn't true though. When you make statements that aren't true on the podcast, I don't put them in there. <laughs> I cut those things out and might have not put in the podcast the conversation with Joe Robbie, where I'm trying to convince you that Joe Robbie is going to be important. Because I'm just like, eh. I don't think you did because it was terrible. I'm like, all right. I'm like, oh, yeah, I don't know who that guy is. <laughs> yeah, I can't make fun of you so badly that people think, why is this guy doing the podcast?
1: <laughs> That's a problem. Yeah, that, I, I agree. That's beyond what should. <laughs> Well, should be aired, <laughs> and I'm usually fine with my mistakes. But that, <laughs> but at least I'm such a huge Joe Robbie fan now. Right. I love that guy. He's great. <laughs>